listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box on the 2023 Reading Glasses Glasses Challenge. Read a book about a book or a library or a bookstore. We'll get into it. Plus, we are testing out an unusual reading blanket. Well... And solve a problem about finding new releases. But first, what are you reading, Priya? Okay, so I was, well, this is a story, but I was listening to a book called The Black Guy Dies First, Black Horror Cinema from Fodder to Oscar by Robin Means, Robin R. Means Coleman and Mark H. Harris. The narrator was uh, Jamie Lincoln Smith. Um, I say was because I, it was so sad I, I woke library up took it back. and the library had taken it back and I was like 80% of the way through. So I may end up purchasing this. This just happened to me. Just happened. So now I'm dealing with the fallout of that. But this is great. Um, I'm really enjoying this book. It is a, a nonfiction book about um, uh, modern horror cinema um, all the way back. You know, it talks about Get Out, but then it goes all the way back to um, Night of the Living Dead. And like, it just goes through uh, the... Uh, black actors, black filmmakers, and themes and tropes, um, uh, and uh, going all the way through like history and what how history has affected uh, black cinema and black horror cinema, and it's just a really great book. I actually, um, it has been a really good listen. I think it would be also um, be a really good read because there's a lot of lists, so you have to be ready for the lists. And I feel <laughs> like sometimes it's actually like easier to read. Oh, yeah. and I didn't realize until I just looked this up. It is from the Creators behind the documentary Horror Noir. Oh, I love that. that I didn't movie. realize that until literally this exact wow. moment. Uh, but it's really um, a great listen. And I will let y'all know if I go get it from the library, if I purchase it. I don't know what I'm going to do. This was taken away from me today, and I wasn't <laughs> the prepared. The trauma is still fresh. Oh, uh, what, what are you reading, Mallory? Bria, I am a woman changed. Uh oh. So I always liked she's romance. Reading, she's reading Love Triangle Number Two. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Love Quadrihedron. <laughs> There's so many people. It's just I'm reading polyamorous books now. <laughs> uh, I always liked romance, and we had done a romance challenge a couple of years ago. I always liked it, but then I read that Angelica Frankenstein makes her match book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, spooky romance. Oh, and I so I did an event at the Rip Bodice in LA about a month ago, which was such a fucking blast. And I literally after the event, full of champagne for my event, I walked up to the booksellers and I was like, "Give me all the spooky romance you've got." <laughs> I left with like ten books. Wow! And now I'm just reading a ton of romance. I just fucking love it. I don't Great. know what happened. So I'm reading this book that I talked about during the drive a little bit. It's called One Night on the Island by Josie Silver, and it is about these woman and she's from London and she's a writer uh, but she's about to turn 30 and um she's not married she doesn't have kids and she feels like she's been kind of left behind by life um and her boss wants her or her boss of this magazine that she works at wants her to marry herself oh okay and like have like a self-actualization ceremony for her 30th birthday so her boss books her rents this cabin on this little Irish island and she's like, all right, you're going to stay there for a month and you're going to write about it for the magazine and you're going to like go swimming and sit in front of the fire and it's going to be so great. And she finally gets to this like little tiny island and little tiny cottage only to find out that it has been double booked. And this guy has uh, booked it also for a month 
And he is a photographer from Boston, which made me really happy. And he is going through some really big relationship problems. And he's also kind of like on a precipice with life and trying to figure out what he wants to do. And they're very angry at each other. And neither one of them wants to give up the reservation. And uh, But they're both pretty sexy. It's just so fun. And you love the island and you love all the little like side characters and you're like, you you know, they're, the fun thing I've realized about romance is you know they're going to bone. Yeah, of course. You're just trying to figure, the fun of it is like, when is it going to happen? Well, wait, is it spooky? No. Oh, okay. But I thought it was spooky, spooky was my, was, was my gateway. Your way in. Okay, okay, okay. Spooky was the I gateway. Was waiting for you to be like, and it's haunted. And it, although, oh man. <laughs> I will say, Glassers, please write me, write in for this. So I got, a, I bought a lot of witch romance. I got a lot of demon romance. But I don't have any haunted house romance. The only haunted house romance I know is from uh, The Widow of Rose House by Diana Biller, who's my friend. Actually, the reason why I was at that uh-huh, bodice uh-huh. event. It's the only haunted house romance I've ever, ever found. So any other spooky romance that isn't isn't witch related, because I bought a bunch of witch books, hit me up, folks. Hit her up. Light up that reading glasses email address, because I am, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm, I'm a romance fan. So I'm reading One Night on the Island by Josie Silver. And I'm listening to The Black Guy Dies First, Black Horror Cinema from Fodder to Oscar by Robin R. Means, Coleman, Mark H. Harris, and read by Jamie Lincoln Smith. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Shelby wrote in, For years, I've kept a very detailed physical reading journal where I review every book I read with one caveat. I never give books a star rating. Hmm. I find rating systems too reductive, and I don't know why, but it feels like a lot of pressure to me. Instead, what I do is the day after I finish the book, I sit down and write about it stream of consciousness style. I'll talk about favorite characters or moments and insert quotes if I have any. After that, I'll give my overall impression and how it made me feel. Then a whole month later, I'll revisit the review and read it. Hmm. So often I find myself wanting to add some comment about the greater themes I've puzzled out over the weeks or some realization about the plot I've made in the time since. I'll fit these little additions into spaces I've left on the page or add in post-it notes if needed. I really do think that a book doesn't end when you turn the last page. It stays with you and can change with you. That's why I find it so important to allow myself the space to evaluate my feelings how they can change about a book. There are some books I thought were unimpressive only to realize much later they affected me profoundly in ways I didn't realize. I love that. Yeah. Well, we talked about this on a show Mm -hmm. where we both were like, yeah, there are books that I was like, I loved that book. And I go look at my rating and I'm like, I gave this a B minus. You know, like there's like, it's weird how certain books will stick with you. And then books you're like, I loved it. There was one short story collection I read that I remember thinking, this is like one of my favorite books of the year. And I, I specifically never, remember. And I never collection. thought twice about that book, yeah. you know? So it's like, it, it, that is so interesting. And it is interesting how certain books stay with us longer than we think they're going to. I love the idea of, of a post-it, like adding, um, just adding like a thought, like a month later, like it'd be fun to, to add like a little thing in your book journal. Be like, I thought about this later mm-hmm. or did not think about this mm-hmm, later. Mm-hmm. Steve wrote in and said, hi, Brian Mallory. Just listened to the final 2022 episode. And I wanted to write about a personal change I'm trying to, trying out for my reading goals going forward. I've been tracking my reading via an Excel spreadsheet since 2015, and each year I've set up a goal to read a certain number of books. What I have noticed is that uh, using this metric of number of books completed for this goal has had some unintended consequences for my reading. Namely, one, it makes me reluctant to dump books I'm not enjoying because then I lose credit for the time I put in that book, mm-hmm. of course. Two, it makes me reluctant to read long books, especially towards the end of the year, if it looks like I might not hit that magic number I set as my goal. Yeah. 
three, it makes me less likely to read short fiction since by this metric, I can't count a short story towards the goal unless it's part of my collection of, of stories, in which case I have read, I have to read the whole collection for it to count. Since my actual intention in setting a reading goal is to encourage myself to read more, you can see how the books completed metric can actually be counterproductive. So what I've decided to try going forward is to set a goal of a certain number of pages each year. We know a lot of people doing this, actually. Yeah. I think about a word goal. I thought about a word goal, but it turns out that it's a bit, bit more work to track, and I don't want it to be too burdensome. Oh, God, that'd be a nightmare. Uh-huh. At least at the outset, it seems like tracking pages rather than books addresses the problems of discouraging book dumping, since I was still good to count a portion of the book I've already read, and discouraging long reads, since there would be no advantage in reading four 190-page novels versus one 760-page honker of a novel while also allowing me to capture the short fiction I've read. The only downside you can see is maybe it's less viscerally satisfying to say I read X number of books this year, but what is the real value of that, especially if it incentivizes me to cheat by reading a lot of short novels so that I can work to the metric. It's also a little less intuitive about how to set a number for the goal. I thought about going back and adding up the pages I read in the last couple years, but that feels like too much work. So instead, I'm going to consider 2023 a benchmarking year and select a nice round number of 10,000 pages the equivalent of 25 novels with an average length, length of 400 pages and see how it goes. Anyway, I love the podcast and I'm excited about the 2023 Reading Glasses Challenge and my new personal reading goal. I think it's a great amount, I Molly. think that's great. Mm-hmm. And I think if you pick like a big fun number, like 10,000 pages, it can be as satisfying as I've read like 50 books or something. I totally agree. I think this is great and a good way it's good that you caught yourself going, oh, I'm trying to work the metric. I'm trying to read a bunch of short yeah. books. I'm like not reading this book I really want to read and I'm finishing this book I don't even want to be reading. I think this is all very important stuff for us to realize about ourselves. Um, do you want to read Steve's Wheelhouse? Um, sorry, I was doing some math because I'm bad at math and I was like, how many? Because like what a novel is, let's say most novels are what on average 300 pages. Yeah, he did 25. He did 25 novels with an average length of yeah. 400 pages. So, yeah, if you picked, I don't know, I think that could be really fun. Like, mm-hmm. imagine, like, whipping that out. Like, I read 10,000 pages well, this year. it's kind of, like, very satisfying to have that giant number, too. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so Steve's Wheelhouse is sci-fi and fantasy, post-apocalypse, road stories, alternate history, especially with magic, sci-fi humor, survival stories, stories where reveals lead to a radical change in your perception of a character, well-written history, cool magic systems, caper stories, especially sci-fi or fantasy, grifters, multiverses, zombies, gritty slash realistic superhero stories, space colonies, low fantasy, and time loops. Love that. Yeah. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about books about books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. They work for you. You don't work for for them, these dinners that are trying to make you work for them. No, they're working for you. It's a great time to try Green Chef because you can celebrate the springtime with recipes that feature premium proteins, seasonal organic produce, and sustainably sourced seafood. You can bring more flavor to your table this May or June or July. Get it whenever, y'all, with Green Chef's wholesome elevated recipes. They feature seasonal organic produce and unique farm fresh ingredients like rainbow carrots and bok choy and olives. 
Listen, you've never met a bigger Olive fan than this person right here. I love Green Chef. And guess what? You can eat great at lunchtime, too, with the 10-minute lunches. Each week's menu includes two convenient, low-prep, and nutritious lunch recipes ready in just 10 minutes, no cooking required. Y'all, I love when Green Chef arrives at my door. I know there's going to be something for me to make. I made this gorgeous cauliflower dish. It's not something I ever would have thought to make on my own. And here were all the ingredients and a great little recipe guide so I didn't have to worry about it. Truly, it is working for me. I think it's working for me. You can ask anyone who's eating it. I ate those leftovers too. There's enough for leftovers for me. I love Green Chef. We love working with Green Chef. I love having stuff delivered straight to me. It's so much easier. And so if you are like, I am tired of figuring out what I want to make every week, try Green Chef. Just give it a try. You can go to greenchef.com slash glasses60 and use code glasses60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash glasses60 and code glasses60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Glasses. Trans representation in media is at an all-time high with trans entertainers gracing the screens large and small. But trans voices, especially black trans voices, are rarely centered in our own stories. That's why we bring you a new limited series called We See Each Other, the podcast, co-hosted by me, journalist, and better half of the Max Fun Podcast, Fanti, Travel Anderson, and me, award-winning journalist and media personality, Shar Jossel. All of it is based on my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. Now listen, folks, we're having a very different kind of conversation. It's giving kitchen table talk. Mm-hmm. We get into the discourse. Honey, tune into We See Each Other, the podcast at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get Slayworthy Audio. This week, we're ticking off another box on the 2023 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a book about a book, a library, or a bookstore. We heard you like books, so we're putting some books about <laughs> books in your books. We got books on books on books, folks. I feel like a like a carnival barker. Is there any one time I went to this restaurant in uh, Arkansas? For a sopapia. For a sopapia, no. And, uh, and you could get a steak with a side of small steak. And I was what? like, my mind was like. That's a cartoon meal. It was so funny to me. I was like, I'm sorry, you can get. It was like a special they had like one night. I'm probably telling the story totally wrong. People with me would be like, that is not what it was, Bria. But I distinctly remember it was a steak and then a little smaller steak. And they called it like a sweetheart steak or something. I'm sorry, every story I have is about food and restaurants. <laughs> I don't know why that is. But <laughs> I, I have so, so many questions. So if it's a sweetheart steak, does that mean you're it's in for your sweetheart? So you get the big steak and they get the little one? Well, I mean, whatever you want to do. That's a crappy date. Yeah, I guess it is. Well, I don't know. Unless yeah. the smaller steak is like the high quality steak. It, I don't think so. I did not think that was the deal. I don't know enough about meat. To, yeah. But that anyway, is like the funniest thing I've ever book. It's like getting a, a coffee book. with an espresso on the side. I think people do that. Don't drink they? them both at the same time. Like, oh, no, I don't think so. Maybe you drink. Getting a large version of a food next to a small, small version, version of food of the is food? very funny to me. But this is kind of like what we're doing here. It's a book with a little small amount of book inside the book. <laughs> It's like those Russian nesting dolls that just keep, it's just, but it's a book. There's just more books inside. Um, so, folks, 
How do you fulfill this part of the challenge? You read a book, whether that's fiction or nonfiction, that prominently features a book, a library, or a bookstore as part of the plot. It, it can be a magical spell book, a manuscript that's being published, a library in space, a bookstore that the main character owns and most of the story takes place there, whatever it is. So we put this on the challenge for 2023 because it's a very popular wheelhouse in the bookish world and we thought it would be fun to explore why readers love reading about other readers so much. How much book can a book chuck book <laughs> if, a re if a book chuck could, could read books? Could read books. Uh, Brita. Wow. Brita. Brita. <laughs> Bria, why do you think readers love books about books so much? Somehow, I, by the way, we, re we write these outlines out a little beforehand and like write little notes. And I have another food related <laughs> metaphor <laughs> that I forgot I wrote in here. Maybe next year we should do books about food. Oh, uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we should. Um, this I said it's like eating a snow cone in the snow if you love ice. This is uh, <laughs> if you are a snowman. If you are, and you're a snowman. It's the inception of reading. Reading about books plus books about books, often mentioned books <laughs> that you maybe have read. And you can put yourself in the shoes of the character who is book obsessed. We love books. It's about yeah. us being loving books and I think I think I think about that book, the book of the most precious substance. Uh, I almost put that in here. Yeah, we're gonna make some recs for y'all, but that's one that we both really liked. But if you're you have not only a person who sells rare books, so we're like, oh, that's really interesting, like a cool job that like, of course, as a book reader, I've thought about rare books, but also as a person obsessed with the power of a book. And I'm obsessed with the power of a book. So it's just like it's so much book on book, you know, and that it, it's something you I got can relate to. Book on to. book action tonight, even, folks. Even though I can't really relate to selling, being a bookseller or searching the world for a rare book, I can be like, but I have read a book. And so that makes me like relate to this inherently, I think. Yeah. Um, why do you think people are, readers are loving books about books so much? I think it's books besides comics are one of the only mediums where bookish people are, can typically be the heroes. You know what I mean? In a lot of movies and video games, the bookish ones are like the sad little nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. So I think readers love consuming stories that center readers and their feelings and their journey. And they're like, I can be the hero instead of getting stuffed in a locker. Like, I think a lot of, and also I think a lot of readers find that libraries and bookstores are comfort places. Yeah, that's true. So a lot of us naturally gravitate towards like, oh, a book, this is set in a library. Oh, this is set in a bookstore. Or this is about a reader. It inherently feels comfortable. And I think it's a really quick way for an author like to get a reader to care about a character. Mm -hmm. Like I, this happens all the time because there's, there's a lot of books with main characters that are bookish. You're immediately yes. like, I fucking like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like me. You know, it's like you understand it more. You can, it, it like, especially characters that are like, oh, they they find themselves in books. They, like, really love books. Immediately you understand them. You're rooting for them. We, we And also human beings just love themselves. Like, we all love reading characters about people that are like us. And yeah. if you're like, if an if a author's like, ooh, read, you know, here's this character and she's a reader and she's going to do cool things, you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, so, Bria, what are you reading to fulfill this part of the challenge? Um, I already read it. I read this year, um, oh, yeah. The Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams. I saw this on a lot of books about books lists. Yeah, it's a very good one because it's, it was on my list for a while. It's about a woman who works in a library in England who finds this book list and she doesn't really love her job and the library's like not doing so swell. And then she makes this makes friends with this widower 
who is trying to read fiction for the first time because he lost his wife and she used to love it. And she's like, well, she doesn't tell him. She's like, but there's this list. I'll just tell him to read the books on this list. And then they become friends. There's this whole story about them. And it has a lot of books that you've read. So you're like, <laughs> oh, they're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, Life of Pi, you know? And so you can think about Life of Pi and like why it's interesting while they're discussing it too. So it's a really great book uh, book for book lovers because not only are they in a library talking about books, there is a list of books that you know they're going to talk about and you could be like, I know all of those books and you have probably read most of the books on the list. Mm-hmm. It was very cute. Uh, what are you going to read? Uh, I'm using this part of the challenge as an excuse to finally read uh, the backlist book, The 13th Tale by Diane Setterfield. Oh. Uh, I think it came out a while ago, like maybe a decade or or, or two ago. Right. Because in my head, a decade is, you know, 1995. Yeah, yeah. But really, a decade is, oh, it's the 2010s. It's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but I so I think maybe it came out like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but it's this almost the same setup that Taylor Jenkins Reid used for The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh. It's about a reclusive but famous author who is dying, and she asks this woman to come and hear the real story of her life so she can write a biography about it. Um, but her story, instead of involving a bunch of husbands, involves some spooky shit. Oh, great. So it's like seven ghosts of Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> uh, like, it's the seven ha- ha- husbands of e- Evelyn Hugo for people like me. Uh, it involves, like, some really wild tales and ghosts, and it's supposed to be, like, really epic but also very eerie. And I've been really excited about it for a while, but I've just been, you know, I've been on a tear of reading 2023 books. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to use this uh, as an excuse to step back and read a little backlist. I'm very excited. Um, so we've got some recs that are books about books about books about books and yeah. libraries and bookstores. Um, what is your first one? Oh, God damn, I should have put this on uh, here. Okay. My first one is The Library Book by Susan Orlean. So good. Uh, if people are looking for nonfiction, um, this one came out a few years back, um, and you and I both really liked it. Yeah, we did. Um, it's about the fire that took place, uh, that took out the Central Library in Los Angeles, but it also it goes into the history of libraries, and it's kind of a history kind of a cultural look at library culture in general it's just like a really fun book and we both yeah. really liked it i feel like it was on the best sell on both of our um uh top books of the year that year was it yeah it's not i think that should have been i think it i think it, it, it was with us. yeah it really it's it's so fucking good uh what what's your first one i also picked a nonfiction book for my first one it is called it's one that came out god uh, a while ago it's called the badass librarians of timbuktu by I joshua hammer Oh, it's so good. It's about a group. Of, this is a real story. This is nonfiction. It's about a group of librarians in Timbuktu who plan a heist to save hundreds of thousands of books from Al-Qaeda. Whoa, that's yes. cool. It's I haven't heard about It's a real fucking thing that happened. It's like Ocean's Eleven, but with books and librarians. So like Al-Qaeda has taken all these manuscripts um, to destroy them, to destroy this history. And these librarians are like, not today, motherfucker. <laughs> and they plan a heist to get them back. It is so cool. It is such a cool story. What's your next one? Um, I'm doing this kind of book adjacent this because totally it's about counts. writers and and their books. Um, and it has a lot of libraries in it. It has like a writing program in it. And it's also, you don't read their books, but you get to insight into their writing lives and what they're writing about. It's Writers and Lovers by Lily King. It's a book I just really loved. It feels like it feels like a memoir, but it's a fiction book. Um, it's gorgeous and it's about this young writer's life and how... And she she falls for two very different men. One's like a super established writer and what it's like to like be in his life where in his orbit of this established writer as he goes to bookstores and his books are on shelves and stuff. And then how she's, and then this other guy who's like not an established writer is just like a guy her age. And how she balances art 
while trying to pay the bills. I think this is just like an interesting one that if you're looking for one that's you're like, I actually don't want to read something that takes place in a bookstore. You're the one reader who doesn't, and that's okay. This could be one. We still one love you. You are still more, a reader. This is definitely like um, if your pathway is language or character, this is much more that than like a location, like a bookstore or a library. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, I have another nonfiction, actually, that yes. just came out from my publisher, Hanover Square Press. Love that. Uh, it's called The Love You Save by Goldie Taylor, and it is a memoir from a journalist um, about her. She had a really bad childhood, so check the content warnings. But it's about how in this, like, rough childhood, her parents had died. She, like, got raised by, I think it was her grandmother or her aunt. And, like, in this tough time, she discovered books. She's a black writer, and she discovered books by black writers. Mm. And the way that the power of those books got her through this traumatic time and about how, like, seeing herself in this fiction and seeing writers that looked like her really changed her life and really got her through this time. It is, it's a beautiful book. But, again, check the content warnings. But I think it's going to be, might be one of the buzzy books of the year. Uh, It's really cool. Uh, What is your next one? Oh, I can't believe I didn't uh, think of this. Yeah, my last one is um, uh, Arvissing Hearts by Celeste Ng. Um, it's like post-apocalypse-ish, near future, apocalypse-ish. Um, I don't know what you call it, but it is about a child named Bird who lives in our world. It's a lot like ours, but the government is far more fascist. And uh, How is that? Well, yeah. I don't want to say how is that possible yeah, because who knows, Mallory, please. who knows what, what could happen next week? That, knock on wood, that. knock on wood, knock on wood. Um, and the the racism against people of Asian descent is like at an all time high. Um, and his mother, who is a Chinese American poet, she disappeared when he was younger, and he starts receiving he gets this cryptic letter passed through the librarians, uh, these librarians at the library about his mother's whereabouts. And the librarians and the library play a really big role in this book. And it was one of my favorite books of last year. And it's like not all about it's it is about a writer and about her writing and her relationship to poetry and about activism within poetry but also just about how these librarians are like look we live in this fascist state but we're gonna break the rules a little bit hell yeah um it's really very cool um what's your last one uh my last one i don't think i've talked about i've talked about the series but i don't know if i've talked about this particular book um i'm going with the city of dreaming books by walter mowers and it's the fourth in a series, but you could read them all out of order. Um, it's kind of like the Discworld series. Like, you can read them in order if you want, but you absolutely don't have to. I always describe them as, like, Terry Pratchett meets Douglas Adams. Wow. So it's, like, very fun and funny fantasy, only it's all illustrated, which is really, hmm. really cool by the author. And these are translated. Uh, so it's about a city that's made out of books. And the main character has like travels to the city. He's searching for this particular author, but he ends up getting trapped in the catacombs beneath the city uh, where all the dangerous books are kept. Oh. And that's where the book hunters are. And there's all like this like. Are they hunting? The books are dangerous like they'll eat you or like. Yes. Oh, and, wow, wow, and wow. He's hunt- and the book hunters are looking for the dangerous books. Wow. He's trapped under there. It's just so fucking fun. Like the whole, like there's a tons of authors in the city and there's like different stores that make ink and different stores that make paper and different stores that like bind books and different books, stores that sell books. It's just like, um, all like every type of book thing you can imagine. There's also like little bookworms that they like, the guy illustrates and like shows you what a bookworm looks and like. And what do they do? Uh, I, if I'm remembering correctly, they just like eat books or really like books or something. It's just like a book based economy. It's like, it's just so, it's like, so it's, these are, they're, I, I don't think they're like meant for kids. They're like general literature. So you can kind of read them in it, but I don't think there's anything in there that like a kid would not be able to read. It's, it's again, it's very much like Discworld where you wouldn't call them kids books, but like a 14 year old could read them and it would be fine. They're just so fun. The whole series is great. There's actually another 
uh, book in the series that has to do with the city of dreaming books. Uh, but this one's just the most bookish book that you could possibly imagine. I love that. It's a fucking blast. Um, so you can send your thoughts about books about books, about books about books, to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we test out an unusual book blanket, we're going to take a quick break. brought to you in part today by microdose gummies microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of thc that help you feel just the right amount of good so maybe you've heard about microdosing maybe you have thought about microdosing just so you know a lot of people you know are microdosing daily to feel better and to perform better and just to be healthier things that they really want these are delicious little gummies. They will make you feel amazing. Maybe you're trying to get into the zone with creative work, or maybe you're just trying to chill out at night. At night, if you're a person who's like, gosh, I just like keep getting on the internet. I keep doing all these things that are keeping me up. These can help you wind down at night in a way that you have been longing to do. They're 10 out of 10, okay? These are amazing. Also, they can really help you feel more present. It's something I've been thinking about lately. I just want to feel more present in the moment. I want to like watch a show and not want to pick up my phone. I want to like, I'm working on a project right now and I just want to be like invested in that project. This can really help you do that. Or maybe you just are like, I want to be more present while I'm walking my dog around the neighborhood or something. This can help you with that. These microdose gummies, you pop one, you pop half a one. It's going to make you feel a lot better. And these things are going to make you get into the flow. It's going to make you feel much better. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code glasses to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com code glasses. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Street Fighter 6, Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, Spider-Man 2, Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch? No, is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Time to look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech was provided... By me. <laughs> I have been looking at these things for a while because of Instagram ads, because nobody knows your soul like Instagram does. Ugh, I hate it. And then I saw a classer named Britt talking about it on the Slack channel, and her review made me want to buy one. Uh, it's called a hooded reading blanket by this company called Imposia. And it's basically a big Sherpa-lined blanket with a hood and a little clasp, so you can wear it like a cape. And they come in a ton of different designs, and I got one with a moon and a bunch of books on it. If you saw Bria wearing a if you saw a picture of Bria wearing a weird cape a few months ago on our Instagram, that's what this was. Yep. Uh, depending if it's on sale or not, it's about a hundred dollars. Oh my god, Mallory, I didn't know it cost that much. Yeah, this is my Christmas present to myself. Okay, 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 um, okay. So, Bria, first question: Would you wear this while you were reading? Honestly, yes. 
Uh, <laughs> you want to be a little book wizard? But it's cozy. And I have been known to walk around the house with a blanket around me. So, like, why not just do one that actually, like, holds it there? Like, I'm, I am yeah. I love to, like, grab a blanket and, like, wander around the house like some, like, you know, like... Little fantasy creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But if it's, like, designed for that purpose, yeah. that actually makes it way better. Now, tell me... Would you buy it for $100? I don't know. Should I? You tell me. So, when I first saw these, I was like... A blanket with a hood. Is, is it worth $100? And I'm telling you, I use this thing all the goddamn time. But it's a cape. It's a cape. It really is a cape. It's, they a, it's a heavy cape. I think they should a just heavy, call... heavy, ugly cape. <laughs> I think they should actually just lean into it and call it a reading cape. Because that sounds a lot cooler than a hooded blanket. Okay. Um, but I like it. You know, I have a several nice throw blankets. And those are for my legs. This bad boy is for my shoulders. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. It's not the hood that does it. That's the thing. That is surprising about this. How First, often are you using that hood? Not very often. I okay. don't like things on my head. But you might be saying to yourself, can't you sew a clasp on a blanket? And the answer is, you can, but you won't. No. That's the thing. And the answer is, no, I can't. I don't know how. So I mean, sorry. I probably could figure it out, but it's one of those things that, like, you're like, I could make one of those things at home and you never fucking do. But it would do. have to be, like, you'd have to have, it's like, it's not full blanket. It's not like a twin blanket size it's more no, of it's like, like a throw, throw blanket, blanket. And it has a button a and then a little like a, 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 a loop of elastic is sewed on and sewed on one side and that's the the magic of it like you said mm. it's keeping it around your shoulder not, not having to adjust to that thing and being able to get up and walk around and then get back down on the couch while not having to move it is magic and i look at it i'm like it's just a fucking button and it's just a fucking little loop of elastic but would i do it myself no i would not now is it designed to sit on your shoulders yeah so it isn't just a throat blanket. It's more of a cape. It's a cape. It I cape. think they okay. should just, that's what I'm saying. They should just lean and call uh, it a yeah, reading yeah, cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would capture the fantasy reader market no. for sure. <laughs> and I, I, I just love it. I love having a blanket over my shoulders, but I like having my arms free. I think it's five out of five pages for me. Even wow, at wow. the price point, you know, nice blankets from small businesses are expensive anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're getting a throw blanket that isn't made from like Target, if you're getting like a throw blanket that's made from like a small person, nope, small business. <laughs> A very <laughs> made from a small person. If Bria Grant made you a blanket, a very tiny blanket. <laughs> but it's like again, it's. I think it's. I like if I had never used it, I would have been like, "Wow, that was a waste of hundred dollars." But I use this thing all the time. Wow. Okay. I really prefer it to a regular throw. I like having it around my shoulders, and the designs are cool. And like, it's like Sherpa on one side, and then like a. Um, the fabric on the back is like very sounds weird to say, but it's kind of smooth. And at first, I was like, mm, I don't really like this, but it's nice because crumbs just slide right oh, off. Oh, nice. Of it. Okay, wow. So if you are ready for this lifestyle, <laughs> the lifestyle of a hooded blanket and crumbs sliding off of you, you've made some life choices that we are excited about. Yes, we are. But you are my. You might be in your hooded blanket era. So get ready for it. We're here it is. And they do sales. So I would, if you look at these and they're like. And they look a little expensive. I would keep an eye. You know what? I think what I I think I got the, this on sale actually for eighty nine ninety five. Okay. So I would keep an eye on that website. We'll put a link in the show notes. That's Imposia, but they have some other ones. There's like other companies, but this is the one that that Glass or Brit had in the Slack channel, and I was like, yes, I'm I'm gonna get that. Um, check it out. And if anyone has one of these, join my Cape Club. <laughs> Please tag us in your photos. We'll be flying, you, through, the, flying through the night sky and landing on a in a under a tree uh, to read. Join the. I, I don't know. I think maybe 
Priya, this is a really weird idea. What if we just bought straight up capes? Are capes cheaper? How much does a cape cost? I don't think cost? they're much cheaper than that. <laughs> like, I'm looking this up. No, I mean, I, I own a cape, a hooded cape Hold situation. The Hold the phone. You've that been I never this- wear. Hold, there's so many questions I have. I You've been really Actually, burying think, the lead on this. I think this. I own more than one. I think I got one at a clothes swap and one I purchased. You got a cape? Oh, did you go to a clothes swap in <laughs> Narnia? Like... I don't know. It's just like at a clothes swap. And I think I was like, I'll take this. Uh, and I don't ever wear them, honestly. Because why would you? Yeah. Unless you're going to down to the goblin market. like. But it kind of makes sense like with certain outfits. I find that like it looks good with dresses. Like, but when I don't you go wear to the Ren Fair? Yeah. No, I mean, I think it looks good. I don't know. Like, hold on. Are we, are we thinking about different capes? I'll show you and you can tell me. I'm thinking of like a crushed velvet cape with no, a hood. No, it's like, no, they're like, they're like regular material. You know, is, is, not is, all capes are crushed velvet. <laughs> I literally typed in velvet cape. Okay, type in regular cape. Regular cape. Because velvet cape, cape is going to get you a very particular cape, but there are capes that are just these are this is these are Dracula capes. These are Dracula and rogue capes. Yeah, mine look like rogue capes. So, are you talking about those blazers that look like a cape? Because I have one of those. Mm-mm. No, Mallory, I own two capes. They have hoods on them. Yes. They look like... I refuse to believe that you just have this for a regular outfit. Folks, people... Bria is going to get her not one, but two capes. And also, I'm looking at these capes. Even the Dracula ones that are not crushed velvet, they are kind of expensive. They're a little bit cheaper. Most of these look like they're between like $50 and $80. So... I don't know if it would be good as a blanket, though. I don't know if the material is, like, nice and thick. Maybe if you got a, a wool blanket, but that probably would also be pretty expensive. All right, Sean. We're waiting with bated breath to see Bria's cape. There's another one that I bought, but this one I got at a close swap. That's more like a long coat. Yeah, that's just, like, a nice coat. That's not a cape. Yeah, this one's a little less capish. This one has more capish. This one more But, yeah, Bria, you're not walking around looking like... I do have one. I just can't find it, but I do have one. Like you have a little sack have a, of jewels have, and, a, and a short sword. Yeah, it under looks there. like it. It looks like. Oh my it. god! Well, folks, but I never wear it, so no, I don't look like that. If you go get it down to the Goblin Market <laughs> and you see Bria in her in her cape, just know she's out there on important Elven business. Uh, so if you have ideas for book tech or cape ideas for us to test out, send them to Reading Glasses Podcast at Gmail or check out our wish list in the show notes. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Nick writes in, Hey y'all, I've been listening since episode two. Thanks for reigniting my love of reading. Here's my reader problem. I've been wanting to switch away from Goodreads for the longest time, but the one feature I'll really miss is the monthly email telling me which books are coming out from authors I've read before. Is there another app slash site that can do the same thing? I don't want to miss out on all these great books. My wheelhouse is happy queers, myth retellings, snarky underdog narrators, and anything written by Seanan McGuire. Mal- Glasser. Yeah, it really does. Mallory, what do you have for Nick? Uh... Nick, this is tough. Stuff like this makes it hard to move away from huge companies. They do this for a reason. They mm-hmm. have their little tendrils and they want to keep you forever. The short answer, honestly, is no. No, it's, yeah, it doesn't. That's the thing. is The kicker is there's no site that is tailored to you the way that an Amazon-owned company like Goodreads is. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other places we can point you, like Book Riot, Publishers Weekly, you know, stuff that 
you can see the new releases, but you're not going to get one that's tailored specifically to authors that you've read and bought before. Uh, honestly, the best you can do is sign up for some newsletters that share your taste. You know, like I said, Book Riot has a short new releases newsletter. Uh, you could always sign up for publishers newsletters, but that's, you know, again, sort of cobbling together things. What I'm going to do is plug my friend Liberty Hardy's Patreon. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Uh, Liberty Hardy uh, works at Book Riot and other bookish places. Uh, she's a great follow on social media, but she has this amazing Patreon where she puts out this massively comprehensive newsletter every week with almost every single book that is being published that week and is sorted by genre and is sorted by age group and includes recommendations from her. It is a paid newsletter because it's for her Patreon and it is worth every fucking penny. It is the most comprehensive one out there. But again, until Storygraph finds a way to integrate into your, maybe if story, maybe if Storygraph and Bookshop could join, put their powers, mm -hmm. with their powers combined. But it's, it's tough. That's what you're, that's why these huge companies are so huge they know you they know which ones you want to see you don't even have they to tell them when you're reading yeah because yeah, unfortunately my recommendation was like well amazon does but amazon i owns know good, it's yeah. literally the same problem but you can follow people on amazon if you are an amazon member but it is that's why it's because they're they own goodreads uh but they i honestly do find a lot of I follow a lot of people on Amazon. I do find it helpful. You don't have to buy it from Amazon. Amazon will tell you. It really wants you to know. It'll let you know when you can pre-order that thing. Oh, it'll yeah, let it'll, you know all the information. You wake up one day and they're in your closet like, hi. Hey, you love Sean Sean McGuire. McGuire. <laughs> She's got a new book. It's I, really unfortunate. I think the other thing you could do, follow writers on social media. Social, yeah. They're out there They're out there plugging their books. I think Mallory can attest that part of being a writer now is... is uh, <laughs> one blood tear comes out of my like, fucking is, eye. Is, uh, you know, uh, hollering about your book all day. Like, that is the... Yeah. That is definitely part of the uh, the journey of being a writer. Mm -hmm. So they will be talking about it on social media if you're on social media. Uh, if you're not, yeah, it is tough. It's tough. You're going to have to, like, pay attention. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's And maybe those... Your favorite writers have... Newsletters, but yeah, it's kind of like you're piecemealing it together if you're off of Goodreads and Amazon. Yeah, I think we 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 solved a similar problem on the show, and something that Nick, if you were interested in being um, getting into the book review game at all, NetGalley can be great because you can sort by new releases by genre and by age group. So on my NetGalley, which is just the Reading Glasses podcast account, I have it like horror. Um, queer books, literary fiction, and you can search. But it does take a while. That's really the thing. It's like the tailored to you thing mm, is... Yeah. <sighs> I hate it. I hate that Instagram can tell for me that what I want. You're paying algorithm. Mm -hmm. You're paying for all that data that they collect on you 24 hours Awful. a day. And sometimes it comes in useful to you, which is why we're all hooked up to it and it's very hard to, to get rid of it. There are ways to get around it, but, but it's going to take more work. You have to cobble it all together. Nick, we're sorry about capitalism. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> like you're apologizing. Did you invent capitalism? What? <laughs> you, Mallory, you invented capitalism? I don't want to brag. Yeah, my greatest contribution. My, you didn't see my solid gold Bentley outside? <laughs> no. Uh, but again, there's ways to do it, and we've talked about it in past episodes. You can cobble it together. But, um, I mean, Nick, what you can do is keep Goodreads, but then buy your books other places than Amazon. Keep, also use Storygraph, you know what I mean? Just keep that little algorithm in your back pocket 
You know, mm-hmm. it, it's tough. It's it's tough for people who are who want convenience, but are also trying to make ethical choices. It's really sort of impossible in the society we live in. But Nick, we appreciate you doing your best. That's all we can do here. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And hey, are you going on a date? Maybe you're going on a, a special occasion and you're like, I need to look good, but also show off my cool personality. All you got to do is go to our amazing Void merch store. There's a link in the show notes. We got shirts. We got sweatshirts. We got tote bags and stickers. Imagine rolling up to a first date with a ask me what I'm reading bag <laughs> or a, a book slut bag. Oh, maybe maybe that's not a first date. Maybe that's a second date. Yeah, don't do don't. Yeah. Well, Unless you're, you're, I don't know you. So Yeah, maybe you want to close a deal fast. Mm-hmm. Roll up with that book slut shirt. That'll, I mean, it's a great conversation starter for sure. You are not going to have a boring date. And if you do... It's not your problem. It's the other person's. If you're looking to show off your bookishness and help support us, check out our merch store in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to do something nice for us, that's totally free. Rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice via the mobile app at 1500 Apple podcast reviews. I'm going to find and eat a sopapilla. (laughs) Take a video of it. Uh, It's going to be great. Bri and I are going out for sopapillas, but not until we hit 1500 reviews. We're only 35 away. I think. Wow. We're getting close folks. We're getting really close. I really want to try one of these. I like, I do miss fried dough from new England. So help us. Help us, help me get a sopapilla. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.